Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Our podcasts are made possible in part by corporate sponsor, Store My Tumor. I have metastatic cancer, and uh, so far I've been pretty good, mm-hmm. but I am determined to walk the, walk the talk that I'm telling everybody else. I'm trying to fill my life with as much wonder and beauty as I can. It's not happenstance that your life is so rich. It is, you know, I really believe in the power of the universe and what you have cultivated in your mindset and positivity and attitude. I know I have a strong life force and uh, I think I'm going to be around for a while. So I'm going to hold on to that. In this episode, we talk about the power of art as a healing tool. We talk about everything from singing bowls and the power of song and music and vibration to the power of curiosity, wonder, and joy. Welcome to the conversation. I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to contribute to your wonderful website and the work you're doing. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. One of the features of going through this experience uh, is the false notion that you're alone. Yes. Uh, even though you pull that mantle around yourself all the time. <clears throat> even even now, I still do, mm-hmm. uh, 10 or 12 years after my first experience with it. So you have to remind yourself that there are lots of people out there going through something similar. Exactly. And I think even in your experience in the last decade or so, I mean, the way technology has evolved, you know, it used to be meeting up in person and looking towards your local communities for that support. And now being able to go online and using technology to connect with people all over the globe has really changed the way we're talking about breast cancer and community. Oh, yes. There's the psychological feature and then all the changes in medicine Mm -hmm. uh, and the movement which I think is really significant, of the two areas of uh, holistic or alternative um, medicine and traditional medicine, so that uh, I think there is an integrative medicine emerging, at least, over the last decade. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just got a book from Amazon, actually, called Lifestyle Medicine, and it was written by a few different doctors as a compilation, and... I haven't started reading through it yet, but just paging through the table of contents. And I totally agree that there's, with the, with the integrative medicine and the holistic approach, they're really trying to professionalize it as a complement to traditional care. Yeah, even the way they're distributing chemo now, Laura, uh, my girlfriend a couple blocks away went through uh, at, at Langone uh, this series of what they called infusions, where you put your feet up and you can get reflexology and mm. <clears throat> uh, there's music and you're in your own little cubicle. When I got chemo, it was, you know, the, a, a circle of feet coming yeah. out of the Barca loungers. Mm-hmm. And we had a nurse who used to do uh, comic routines for the eight of us um, with our feet as kind of the the, the, the setup stage. Yeah. And it was not so nice. She was the one uh, feature that uh, made it palatable. She made us laugh. So um, <clears throat> I have my own feelings about chemo that uh, I'm, I'm, I hope never to have to have it again. Uh, but one doesn't know, of course. But there's so many other changes. Uh, the importance of nutrition, for example, is a major factor. And of attitude, too. Um, Radical Remission is a book that you might jot down, and the readers, too, about, uh, um, forgive me, the author's name escapes me now, but it was a bestseller, and it's about uh, these approaches to healing um, stage four cancer in particular. And uh, some of them are understandable, like nutrition, but others like attitude, prayer, 
mm. uh, spiritual exercises are rather surprising. Uh, and yet these are uh, documented ways of curing oneself of cancer. Not necessarily breast cancer, but that's included. So it, it, the world is different now from 2007 uh, when I <clears throat> was diagnosed with stage 2A breast cancer um, and went through quite a year, ending up with uh, marrying my present husband. I was 62 when I met him, Laura. Yeah. So uh, I'm getting out there. <laughs> uh, Aging Cinderella's. Did you meet him before Uh, your diagnosis or after your diagnosis? This this was after the diagnosis. And, um, uh, well, it's it's a little bit of a story. I I, uh, tell it in uh, my book, which is a memoir about getting through cancer. It's called Side Effects, The Art of Surviving Cancer by Dr. Carol Weaver. Yeah, I, I was dating him and got the diagnosis. Okay. And for the year of 2007, <clears throat> he was there. But uh, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, had a real problem with being around sick people. Mm. Do you know the term empath, E-M-P-A-T-H? Uh, my, my husband is an empath. Okay. He went to med- medical school, but he couldn't practice because sick people drained all the energy out of him. Okay. So, though he loved me and still does, uh, I couldn't get a lot of support from him. And uh, as your readers know, to get through uh, the process of treatment, is you really need a village. You mm-hmm. need friends and family. Uh, support group if you have it. Uh, I was I found myself rather bereft of those. My family was in California, and uh, at that point there weren't a lot of support groups around. I think my chemo group was the closest to that, and I didn't see them all the time. Right. Um, right. And uh, so what I ended up doing, I leaned on my girlfriend. Doesn't everybody? Yep, for sure. That's what we do. So I kind of exhausted them. Uh, so what I turned out doing, and that's in the book, is I, I found art to be the, the uh, resource for energy, distraction, uh, perspective, um, and comfort. Yeah. No, so it- the book... Talks, talks about about 13 objects, very unusual objects, because I didn't know anything about art. I mean, right. I, I went, went to graduate school, but I didn't know. I, I'm a literature person. Sure. So, and, uh, and it worked. So because of, of that discovery, uh, I really believe that art heals, uh, mm-hmm. that art is a way of of getting your body back to balance. And I discovered that there's a lot of science behind it. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Like in terms of art, I know you were gracious enough to share on our blog about using art as healing. And in this podcast too, at the end for our listeners, I'll also link out to your book if they wanted to find out more information about it. But when you talk about art as healing, is it more about like practicing art and using like drawing and painting as a therapy or is it visual where you're attracted to a piece of art like if you were at an antique show or museums? What a great question. Um, that's one I'm still wrestling with. I, I have friends who are art therapists. Okay. I am not an art therapist. Yes, I have a friend named Marilyn who uh, she does magical things with singing. She believes that Singing is an art form that brings health. One quick example, we went to a senior uh, art fair. And, and I should tell your listeners that I'm, I'm a, a remarkable 75-year-old. Oh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Just had a big, big party last October. Um, and Marilyn got a woman who does not speak. She has Alzheimer's. She's in the neighborhood. I've seen her with her daughter-in-law walking around and uh, Marilyn sang what a wonderful world and then gave 
the lyrics to this woman, and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. She doesn't even speak, much less sing. Mm -hmm. But Marilyn had this microphone, Laura, that looked like something out of a Frank Sinatra movie, you know, the big thing with the black stuff around it. Yes. Very impressive. And she gave it to the woman with the lyrics. The woman sang What a Wonderful World all the way through. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Uh, there were about 20 people witnessing this. So there's no question that she may have not been able to recognize a friend, but she knew how to sing the, the lyrics to that song. And there's a lot of science. Uh, Oliver Sacks, a neurophysiologist who just died, uh, was convinced that Alzheimer patients could remember the lyrics to a Frank Sinatra song but could not recognize their son because those lyrics were in the brain. Mm -hmm. They were permanently in the brain as a frequency since the time they were 12 years old. Yeah. And uh, so for Alzheimer patients, music can bring their personality back to them, at least temporarily. Wow, that's an incredible story. Yeah. Now, that's a music therapist, but as you put it very well, I am uh, not that. I believe, though, that it, reacting to art, just expressing your, uh, your reaction to art has a, a tremendous uh, impact. Now, you know, uh, the Tibetans, 500 years before Christ, used the Tibetan singing bowls Yes. As a form of therapy. Now I'm going back to therapy. Have you ever heard of Tibetan singing bowl? You know, I'm about to go grab mine. I do. Oh, you have one. Oh, great. Yes, so do I. Exactly. <laughs> mine is downstairs. Yes, right here. We have them. Oh, <laughs> that, that is wonderful. Um, I, I like you even more. Uh, I usually bring them to my talks and uh, people just love them. Well, it's the alpha, as you probably know, it's the alpha, theta, delta waves that they are stimulating in, in our chest. It feels as if it's in our chest because you're not just hearing the Tibetan singing bowl, you're feeling it. Yes. And the Tibetans felt that that could bring the individual back to balance and mm. it, the, the process of healing could start. Now, I suppose that's a kind of therapy, and you're asking me about my own uh, experience when I was going through breast cancer. Well, I always tell my audiences, and I, I have really started a small business on art and healing, speaking about this to, uh, to groups. I say the first thing that people should do when they're pursuing this version of uh, art and healing that I did, which is very modest, it, it's not really becoming a, an art therapist, is when you see something that's beautiful, it gives you energy. You know, like if you go to a museum and you see something that you like, buy the postcard. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because the first, the first impact is E, energy. The second one is perspective. Um, I was very fond of looking at Chinese slippers. Have you ever seen they have you ever seen them? They're very ornate and they cover the mutilated feet of children and women because the Chinese had this barbaric custom of breaking the foot to make it small. Mm -hmm. And yes. uh, but the slippers are absolutely gorgeous. And I started reading about them and how that was a way of making up for this terribly violent thing. So the perspective of where the art came from, uh, Vermeer in the, in the uh, 17th century, he died because he couldn't feed his children. He kept yeah, having children. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so at 36, he had like 12 children, and he couldn't paint fast enough. Um, so his wife said he was okay one day, 
And then he went into his bed and he just, he just expired. So his beautiful paintings, and we only have a few, are there despite the fact that he was painting really as, as desperately as he could. Mm -hmm. uh, Picasso's blue period, that's all he could afford was the blue paint. You get a perspective on these artists, these people, these human beings who suffered and yet still made beautiful, beautiful paintings. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing is in, in an intense uh, identification with the, with the artist, um, understanding them and realizing that, that like you, they also suffered. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, to the, the, the work of art can make you inspired to create. So it's EPIC that I'm telling my audiences. Uh, after a while, when you look at a beautiful work of art, your fingers might start itching to go to the piano mm -hmm. or to pick up a paintbrush. So that's a long way of answering the question. I'm not an art therapist. Uh, I recommend that you investigate one because I think they do a lot of good. But you can also gain great um, strength, perspective, philosophy, and, and a comfort mm -hmm. from looking at and discovering, really, what you like. And that's a large part of my book, is don't let a music teacher or a, a museum director tell you what's good. Mm -hmm. You discover it yourself. Exactly. I love oh. that. You bring up so many great points. And I know you didn't talk about um, crystals at all, but since we were talking about like the singing bowls and the wave frequencies, um, we have so much in common. I just started also <laughs> meditating with various crystals and like, very basic, like the very common ones like quartz or um, I'm blanking on some of the other names of the crystals that I have. But again, people are asking, like, how do you know which ones give you energy? How do you know which ones are right for you? And my simple answer is when you go to the store or you're looking online or you happen to be in Sedona, Arizona, where, you know, you can't go two feet without running into some, but it's whatever your eye is drawn to, right? Like there's some sort of connection, there's some sort of energy there. And I think that really resonates with what you're saying in terms of walking into a museum or looking at pieces of art. There's something there that grabs you, that attracts you. Yes, absolutely. You, 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 you're echoing what I just did at the Rockland Center for the Arts on Sunday. I, uh, I was invited to come in and talk about my book, but I, I did for a couple of minutes. But what I did that was more fun, uh, I had a PowerPoint of 15 very different works of art. Um, you know, the Picasso's uh, uh, goat, that sort of thing, and maybe a, a, a maritime scene with two boats in a storm. Um, I had a lot of abstract pieces. And I just asked the audience, I said, look, we're going to do this really silly, simple exercise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put the picture up, and you're going to tell me whether you like it or not. And you know they enjoyed that so much. It was not a consensus. Everybody had different likes. Um, you know, there would be two or three people who, who liked the Picasso of the woman with the baby over her head. Mm -hmm. And then everybody liked, um, what was it now? I'm trying to think. It was, I think it was um, an Elvis picture uh, that uh, Andy Warhol had done. So, you, you know, it was, it was surprising. But I could tell that it was a good exercise because people are not asked, what do you like? very much they they but they, and they forget so i always say take down those old things in your cubicle and put up even something from a magazine it doesn't have to be uh an authentic etching or anything like that my husband's an art appraiser mm -hmm. and we have a lot of art objects in the house but he always says when people ask him what should i buy of, as a work of art he always says buy what you like mm -hmm. buy what you like uh, and i think that that does feed the system there, there's science now laura do you know they found that works of art in hospitals shorten 
the hospital stay. Really? Uh, in other words, yes. And, they, and people who have the right kind of art in their hospital rooms, they take less medicine. They oh, get out wow. of the hospital sooner, and they're happier with their treatment. There's been so much uh, work done in this area that if you Google art and health or art in hospitals, you'll find dozens of articles. You know, you're too young to know this, but I remember hospitals being very dull, austere places. Um, sometimes there wouldn't be enough paint on the walls. When I had my son James, who's 38, uh, in Brooklyn, it was a horrible room. Now you go into hospitals, you can't walk anywhere without seeing uh, paintings on the wall. Mm -hmm. And that's because they've learned customer service. <laughs> yes. They found out, and here's an interesting little pattern, they found out uh, when they asked, this is a, a study done in Italy, when, or with, with an Italian partner, also American hospitals, um, when they asked them, what kind of paintings do you like of the patients now, after they stayed a while in the hospital, and they were um, shown a, a variety of paintings, do you like scenes of everyday life? Do you like portraits? Do you like abstract paintings? Uh, or do you like uh, landscapes? Mm. What was the answer? What do you think the answer was? What was their favorite? Maybe landscapes? That'd be my guess. You're so smart. You're, you're too smart. <laughs> yes. They, and the one they hated the most? Um, the portrait? I'm not sure. That's what I thought. <clears throat> they didn't want to be reminded of the people they weren't there. Right. No, they hated the abstracts. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? And I thought about this. I think it made them anxious because they didn't know what it meant. Sure, sure. So they're in bed and they're worried about their health. What do they want to look at? They want to look at nature. And they didn't like nature red and eye and tongue. They didn't want to see storms. Right. They wanted to see peaceful spring-like days, like a Corot or, you know, some yeah. sort yeah, of generic so mountainside like, or something. Exactly. The and, you Isn't know, that funny? But, but clearly, there is something going on here when hospitals will spend that much money on artwork, not just in the in the rooms of the patients, but all along the corridors. Yes, very true. Because they want they want that impact of the, you know science. The science of art and healing is my particular beat. Mm -hmm. um, I I collect these articles. Um, Michael uh, Mitchell Gaynor, who another one who just passed away cured pancreatic cancer with Tibetan singing bowls, Laura. Wow. That's yeah. I mean this is I know this sounds woo woo, but there is there is science to to this. You can actually yeah. look him up. No, I completely uh, well, believe it. The, if I can actually Mitchell Gaynor. Yeah, Mitchell Gaynor. I'll I'll look him up and I completely believe the science around the singing bowls. I was recently researching the power of have you heard of gong baths? These like Chinese gongs that you can, um, you know, different sizes. No, they I... have different tones, but it sounds very similar because um, I know the singing bowls also come in different sizes and different tonalities. And there's, I think it was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm sure there's others throughout the United States, but there's these gong baths where you pretty much go and you're lying on a yoga mat for about 90 minutes, and they play these gongs for you as like a meditation yes. and it's supposed to say like these the vibrations of those sounds similar to what you were mentioning with um the alpha and beta and delta waves these vibrations are supposed to trigger the healthy cells to rejuvenate faster i believe um you know i'll have to go back to my notes and see exactly what the science was but at first i was reading this i was like i don't know this doesn't sound you know i'm not used to it right it's new to me um should i believe it or not but you're right you go out and you see some of the science behind the power of these these tones and how it really how your body has a physical reaction to it absolutely um i i saw something 
How do you spell gong bat? I'm going to look that up. So it's G-O-N-G-B. G-O-N-G-B. Yep, gong, G-O-N-G, and then bath, B-A-T-H. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Um, I a, a couple of months ago, I went to uh, a, a Tibetan bowl <clears throat> demonstration by this expert. She brought about 40 of these bowls of all different sizes, and <clears throat> and uh, we did the same thing. We, we, we were on a mat. Uh, people really bought elaborate things to, to lie on because they'd done it before. Okay. And for 45 minutes, she played these these gorgeous bowls, and it was wow. remarkable. Well, there's a whole science called somatic uh, <clears throat> that you can look at online. And the principle of it is that we are, uh, we are affected by sound. You, they, they will put sand on a glass plate and then play music underneath, and the sand changes in, sh- in sh- these shapes emerge. Mm. Um, so you, you can see that sound does have an effect on that. And then there's a very famous guy, whose name I forget, who does this with water, that water reacts to uh, music and, and to this kind of sound, uh, the, the, the t- tonality of the bowls or the gong bats. And we're, after all, we're three quarters water, mm-hmm. so why why wouldn't sound affect us? Yeah. Um, my one of my favorite uh, stories. I mean, this is just a theory <clears throat> that you know that the great symphonic conductors like Toscanini, they lived so long, and people say, oh, it's because of the cardiovascular thing. You know, they're waving their arms around all the time. So their their heart is getting exercised. So that that makes them live into their nineties. Well, my theory is that all that beautiful music that Mahler and Mendelssohn is pouring over them for twenty, thirty years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's why they live a long time. I mean, maybe the exercise helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a very good reason why we should have the music that we love around us. Uh, to to do that, um, yeah. But then you know, th- then there are the visuals, Laura. Um, that beauty, as in the hospital uh, situation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right now, I'm I'm really really interested in uh, wonder. In uh, the way you feel. I don't know if you're into magic, but I really love. Uh, a really good magician and not to look at online but to be there in the audience right. um, last summer I was lucky enough to see <clears throat> Nick Stankaron he's pretty famous he's written a book called This Is Real Magic and he was about 10 feet from I mean well it wasn't Nick Stankaron actually it was another art, another magician he was so good I felt in the quote tricks which were really more than tricks. I mean, they were just incredible. Um, To pulling needles out of his mouth and then pulling a string, putting a string in, and the the needles came out threaded, 10 of them. Interesting. Oh, my God. You have to see it. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, wonder is a little different from experiencing beauty, but it's related. And I think wonder is, the most powerful emotion that we can have to bring us to health. Um, I'm going to quote another study. I hope you forgive me. You just can stop me if I'm No, this is so fascinating. There was a study done at the University of California, Berkeley. Now, this is kind of a strange study, and you would say, oh, that's Berkeley, that's California. But these were very sober of physicians who wanted to know what the effect of certain kinds of experiences were on the immune system. So they took a group of people, I think these were seniors, I have to check the article again, and they brought them to the Grand Canyon. Mm. They had not seen the Grand Canyon before, apparently. So they swabbed their mouths and did a baseline and then let them out there to look at the Grand Canyon for about an hour. And they brought them back in. And they found that 
the blood had changed, that the cytokines, the good cytokines, had increased hmm. over the course of an hour, which meant that these are the soldiers of the immune system. Okay. So the conclusion of this article was, and they included music and beauty, but they said that wonder, which is what they had, they all talked about, mm-hmm. you know, this monument of strangeness, the oddness of nature, what, you know, what, what a cosmic surprise. It helps us live longer. Hmm. So I'm looking for wonder. Yes, and do you mind elaborating? Can I ask you to elaborate a little bit on like how you define wonder? So I'm thinking, like for me, this is fascinating. I haven't heard about this before. Is like wonder is like a very powerful emotion, and I'm I'm thinking like, oh, okay. Does wonder mean like curiosity or like how do you explore something? And but how how do you? It sounds much more powerful than that. How do you define wonder? Oh, what a great question. I'm. I this is what one of the things I'm working on. Well, Nick Stanker wrote in his book, <clears throat> says that it's getting out of the ordinary. You discover something mm. that changes your worldview. You know, we're always sitting there with the list. I got to get this done, then I got to get this done. Then I- yes, yes. <laughs> but, but, but wonder is saying, oh my God. I'm alive and I'm here to see this amazing, not trickery, but this amazing way of changing reality. Yes. So it's, it's the opposite to reality. And mm-hmm. it's, it is a discovery, as you say. But you know what I use as my definition? Because I haven't even seen the Grand Canyon. Oh, I mean, no? I've seen it on television. Sure. But when I went to the doctors, uh, the pediatrician, with my first and only grandson. He was two and a half. And I went into with his mother, and we came out of the office. And, it, you know, of course, it's a place for kids. So it's got, it had, it had this little tiny machine, well, you know, where you turn the crank and the thing comes out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, the, and it was built for his height. And the things inside were these transparent balls. And in the inside was a little car. Hmm. Well, he had never seen anything like this. So I went over to the, to the machine with him. I asked his mother if it was okay. And you didn't have to put a coin in or anything. Mm-hmm. You just had to stand in front of it and turn the crank. And out of the little um, uh, opening slot came this thing. So I said, Mac, hold your hand underneath. Mm-hmm. We turned the slot. And when it came out and he held it, his entire body shook. Wow. He was in he was in wonder. Yeah. He, he had never yeah. seen anything like that. It, and I shook with him. Mm-hmm. Because I was I, I was vicariously understanding this was the most glorious thing. Look, a little toy comes. And it's in a little box. And you open the little box. And there it is. What a wonder. Mm. <laughs> Completely. Thank you, for, thank you for telling that story. Yes. No, um, I love that. And you have to get to the Grand Canyon. I, that's, when people ask oh, me, me like what your favorite place on earth is, it's amazing. Um, you know, you can travel the world and see amazing, you know, architectural wonders of the world, they call them, right? And... Yeah, it was in 2011. I went for the very first time to the Grand Canyon and have been back one additional time. But anytime anyone ever wants to go, I will be on a plane with them going. It is honestly one of my favorite places in the world because of the beauty and the magnificentness of it. And so, yeah, I hope you do get to get there sometime. And, you know, maybe you and your family from California can meet there. Well, thank you so much. And I think, you know, Laura, I have metastatic cancer, and uh, so far I've been pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I am determined to walk the walk the talk that I'm telling everybody else. I'm trying to fill my life 
with as much wonder and beauty as I can. It seems to be working so far. Excellent. But, um, yes. <laughs> I, and I'm writing about this, too. I'm also writing about how to handle this diagnosis and still, you know, in, enjoy life. But there, there isn't any question that I'm convinced that art can heal. Mm-hmm. When I have to have blood drawn, uh, as, we, as you all know, you know, when we're being watched, that happens a lot. Yes. Um, I always look at a picture of my three, now three-year-old grandson. Mm. Um, I just look at the picture of him on my phone, and I can feel the difference in what's happening in, in my body, that there's something rushing to, mm-hmm. rushing to help. So that's what I would, I would tell my, my listeners or readers, um, is, is to really take that seriously. We get too caught up in the ordinary, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to be reminded, whether you believe in, in a deity or not, there's so much to enjoy and to savor in life. Don't miss it. Yes. Um, don't yeah. miss it. And, you know, even recommendations, not even recommendations, but I, I'm, uh, I, I've done some acting in my life, and I think I, I have the gift of, like, standing above my grandson. Mm-hmm. I feel I have the gift of feeling other people's excitement and uh, pleasure, as I did yours mm-hmm. just then. Thank you. Uh, so what, if you can't travel, at least be around people who, who can tell you what it's like or watch it yes. on, uh, on television or Netflix. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's right. Oh, and I think, yeah. you know, there's a story I'd also like to share with you. Um, you have so many great points. I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, you know, we talk a lot about joy. And, you know, I think I quote a lot in our social media and on our blogs, like, do what makes you happy and do what brings you joy. And having this conversation with you, you know, I think deepens that comment because it's so easy to say, yes, like, do what makes you happy. Like, it's a simple statement. Um, right. But when you're describing looking at the photo of your grandson, like, that is joy, right? That is actually yes. being mindful and right. present in the moment and really just saying, you know, it's it's one thing to say, yes, the sun is shining and this is a beautiful day and I'm happy. But, like, what actually has that emotional and physical change and energy in your body, I think we need to be aware of, too. Like, what gives us that strength? So I thank you for sharing that. I did, um, I wanted to share with you, I recently, and this was a very new experience for me. I did a drawing class for the very first time and yeah, and it was just an hour session for all these newbies who never, like we're not artists, but we all kind of came together and the art teacher in an hour taught us three different techniques and we just had like our charcoal and some paper and she said the first technique is called contour drawing and the idea the way she described it was we're all going to just draw our hand and it was kind of like this blind drawing where you know if you look at your hand and you study your hand without looking at the paper draw how you see your hand and (laughs) it was wonderful because i'm staring at my hand and it was kind of this slow exercise in incorporating mindfulness and when you look at your hand, you're noticing like the contour, right? The lines and maybe some of the indents yeah. and the creases and the fingernails. And I'm really getting into my hand and I'm like, this is amazing. I feel like so artistic and so in tune with like the shapes that I'm making with my fingers. And then I like look and glance and see what I drew on the paper and oh my God, it was a mess. <laughs> but to have that experience of being so, you know, in the present moment, I thought was a really great exercise. The second exercise... Oh, yeah. What was the second? The second exercise I think you would really enjoy. And again, I've never done this before, but she came behind all of the participants and asked us to put our hands behind our back and she gave us an object. So we did not know what the objects were. And she literally, I think, you know, just went through her house and picked up, you know, anything from a ball of yarn to a spoon to, you know, any sort of random objects from her house, put them in our hands. And we didn't know what the objects were, and we had to use our senses and feel it to figure out like what the shape was, what the textures were, um, trying to get a sense of dimension. 
and without knowing what the object was, then to draw how we were experiencing the like it wasn't the the point wasn't to draw exactly like the flashlight you were holding or to draw what what it was, but to draw the experience of you feeling that object. And what we noticed was going back to your Picasso reference and some of the abstract, we had to make these decisions of as I'm drawing this object that I don't know yet what it is, what's the position? Am I drawing it upright? Is it upside down? Is it like long ways? Is yeah. it, you know, or are yeah. I incorporating all of these perspectives for, you know, kind of that more abstract view? And it was a really interesting exercise that like the, all of us newbies, our new drawing team, um, all had a different way of experiencing it. So I thought that was a really neat way too, to also be mindful and using art as like, you know, a therapy. So I wanted to share that too, because it's very in line with everything that you're saying. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have to do that kind of thing more. My, my uh, art form that I go to uh, is writing. Of course, I, you know, I have a PhD in English, so I've taught writing all so long. And I'm writing my third book now. Okay. And it, 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 for me, it's, it's the way I, you know, I express myself. But there, your, your wonderful teacher uh, reminds me of that famous book that, uh, that really is marvelous. It was a groundbreaking book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. Oh, okay. Uh, have, you ever, oh. have you ever heard of that? And she, she takes you through these exercises. That, you know, we're, we're so left brain organized. So she wants to shut that off and deal with this more artistic side, like you draw things upside down or mm -hmm. um, uh, to, to make you think on that right side, like the exercise of trying to figure out what that thing is in, in, in back of you, exactly. you know, that you're holding. It's, that's all so, so good for us to, exactly. to get us out of the quotidian and the, uh, you know, the, the things we have to do all the time. I think it's very healthy. And and it, it does remind me philosophically of um, of Mark Nepo. Do you know Mark Nepo? N e p o. No, I don't. Um, he, he's he's a guy who had cancer, um, a, a really radical uh, kind of cancer, I believe, in his chest. Mm. Uh, it's, I forget now, but he nearly died and um, got over it and was convinced that there was a way to comfort and to strengthen uh, cancer patients with his philosophy. And one of his principles, Laura, is that, and I did experience this myself, we are not the wound. Mm -hmm. We are much more than that. Uh, one of the operations I had in the hospital, and I, I, had, I really had some um, uh, uh, rather unusual times, um, they were operating on me in my hospital room without anesthesia, and I had the feeling of being a, on on the roof of the of the of the room or on the ceiling, and it, it was like a sort of Star Wars thing. But mm. it, I, I never forgot it, and it it is what he is saying: you are much more than this disease, mm -hmm. this cancerous breast, or or liver or whatever it is you are a whole world mm. and to to remember that that you know you, you've got to get out of that I'm I am this cancer you are a great rock and roll dancer <laughs> you are a wonderful friend yes exactly. you are a good mother of you are you know a good singer you can act you can do all these things mm -hmm. it's very healthy Exactly. And the opposite of that is to be the wound. Mm -hmm. So when I was talking about perspective before, uh, surely the, the Vermeer, when he went into his, his studio, he had to forget those 10 children and concentrate on the girl with the pearl or whatever mm -hmm. he was doing. Yes. And that was his health. So art does so many things for us. Uh, in that regard, and I think it's great that you're taking this class. I'm envious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm learning a lot, and I think we tell we have conversations in the community a lot about trying new experiences, right? And to get out of your comfort zone and try something new. And 
I'm just like you, you know, we're practicing what we're preaching and, you know, I wanted to try something I've never done before and finding, yep. you know, joy in that. And it, it was great because I'm no artist, but there was no pressure either. It was just to try something That's right. new and, and get out of my comfort zone and think differently. And what I loved about it too was you're not thinking about cancer, right? You're actually like engaging in a different That's activity right. and you're so ensconced in it that you know, for that 60 minutes, you know, you're, you're present and you're, you're there. And that was great. Yeah. Well, it, it, it goes back to the law of attraction. You know, you are what you think about. Yes. And, uh, if you're, if you're constantly worried and, and, you know, let's face it with all of the, uh, advances in cancer treatment, uh, a lot of the doctors don't know. They, you know, they, they don't know what's going to happen. They, that's what they say to me, at least. Right. They're not sure. Why am I doing so well uh, w w with this stage four, you know, in my in my lower back? They're not really sure. They just say, "Oh, well, your attitude's so great." I I don't know. Um, but you know, so so why think about it? Since we don't know, mm -hmm. let's do other things. Let's embrace our world. Yes. Um, and you know, it would be fun to do to do a whole podcast on joy uh there's you know there's a, a, a fabulous book called uh, in fact i have it here in my office uh it's called joyful okay and uh her name is ingrid Seffel lee i'm going to be borrowing some of her ideas uh, and what she does is she it's she, the subtitle laura is the surprising power of ordinary things to create extraordinary happiness Ooh. and so she goes through you know all these different surprising things uh, from the Japanese custom of going into the into the special woods which has these oak trees and the people lie down in front of the and they get the whatever the pollen or the the oxygen that the, the, the tree is generating, mm. they do get a health benefit to something like glitter. Mm -hmm. that, that, you know how kids love glitter? Yep. Uh, well, well, grown-ups do too. <laughs> of um, course. <laughs> that's the little secret. So she's got about 12 things in here. She, she writes beautifully. Uh, and she goes all around the world to to ex ex explore things like surprise and play mm. and magic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's, it's really a lovely book. Ingrid Patel Lee, her last name is Lee. It's joyful. Uh, I would recommend that to, to anyone. Yeah, I'm taking all sorts um, of notes over here. So thank you for all these great recommendations. I will definitely be reading these books and um, you know, maybe after I read it, we can get back on the podcast and talk more about and debrief about joy. That sounds like a great idea. Well, I think you have a natural inclination toward it, uh, yes. and and trust it. Thank you. Uh, that 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 that's that, one of my messages is uh, trust your own instinct. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole thing about authenticity. Mm -hmm. Who are you? If doing a uh, a drawing class is discovering yourself. Mm -hmm. It's the way you see a hand, you know. Yes. And uh, celebrate that. I th I think that's I think that's great fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know the the joy topic is is a rich one, mm -hmm. and it it has tentacles, you know. Yes, it leads to other other discoveries. So you mentioned that you you really believe in, you know, art as healing. We talked a lot about the different types of art and joy and discovery, wonder. What, what are you doing these days um, do you, to, to embrace some of these topics? Are you actively going out and trying new adventures or you said that you use a lot of writing as your, as your art form? Yeah, I, I, uh, I wrote side effects, which, was an expression of of 
you know, all the things I discovered, hopefully to comfort people. Mm -hmm. uh, the big thing I'm doing is the speaking business, which uh, I just started. I belong <clears throat> to the National Speakers Association. This is a real source of joy for me. Okay. Um, the, the New York chapter meets once a month in the city. And I, I live in the country, so it's not always easy to get in. But I love going in. Yesterday, we had our last meeting for the... <clears throat> for this academic year. And uh, <clears throat> it, it was wonderful. We were at uh, Battery Gardens and we took a, a, a sale afterwards. But most meetings are so exciting, Laura, because these speakers who make a ton of money, they come in and they tell you their secrets. Really? Uh, or they, they enchant you. <sighs> they enchant you. Um, the, the, one guy came in what a couple months ago. You know, there are about eighty. Well, there are about a hundred of us in this chapter. Not everybody shows up every time, once a month. But in this particular one, he came in the door and he did three somersaults. Wow! But he did three somersaults and started speaking. He did magic tricks and he did juggling. I mean, you know, it, these people are so clever mm -hmm. and they're they're so eloquent and they're so generous mm. they tell you how they started their business mm -hmm. so that is a tremendous source of pleasure to me when I go to these four-hour meetings I, I don't I don't move in my chair mm -hmm. you know I, I'm just fixed on whatever saying to me so that's that's a big one mm -hmm. uh, the other one is of course my my baby um, my my son, Mac, my grandson Mac Weaver, is in Hollywood because my two sons uh, are make movies. Okay. So going going to California from New York is an expensive thing, but I do it as maybe a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. That is a source of joy because my my whole family's out there. You know. Right. Where are you anyway, Laura? Right now. I'm based in Boston. You're in Boston. Yes, I grew up in Chicago and live in Boston. Oh, that's a wonderful town. Yes. Uh, so, so we're both East Coasters. So going to California is my second source of joy. Mm -hmm. I would say, the, the, you know, to see my brother, my sister-in-law, my niece, my, my two sons, their wives, and then my Mac Weaver, my, you know, the apple of my eye. Yes. There's only three. But then I'm writing a third book. I wrote Side Effects, and then I did this series of poems called train romance hmm. trains give me joy um old-fashioned trains that's how i go into the city oh. so i wrote i wrote some poetry on this and what was I, I have two colleagues who've written poetry too and taken pictures of train stations so we have this really lovely um thing that we're self-publishing so you know, it's aggravating to do all the details for publishing a book, but when I hold that thing in my hands, I'm going to be so happy. And the third and the fourth thing I'm doing is the third book, which is called Pie to Die For. And it's about living with, uh, with this diagnosis and my husband's crazy client. You know, he's an art appraiser. So he, he goes to people who lost art and have insured it and he says he makes money from death death divorce and disaster mm. so people either bequeath their art or they lose it through some kind of fire or blood um or they they get they go broke and they have to sell their picasso um uh so is that death death oh divorce yeah when they get divorced they've only got one Rembrandt. How do you split a Rembrandt? Right. Uh, so these are the these are the stories. They're short stories of, of these crazy people and what they do. So I'm blending the memoir and this business of death, death, divorce, and disaster. Wow. Uh, and I'm I'm actually I have a book coach, and we talk once a week. And there are two other people on the call, like a conference call, mm -hmm. and they are. So interesting. One is the mother of a schizophrenic son. Oh, oh. I, I was spared that. Uh, and she is remarkable in her strength. 
he's 30 years old, and she's trying to speak to parents who have this sorrow all their lives. Yeah. And the other one is a really sassy uh, life coach. Mm. Her, her business is called The Unstoppable Life. And she's she's great. She's never written a book before, and she's really fun. She's really writing to millennials, mm -hmm. to people like my son. So those are the big things. Uh, my husband and I travel. We're going on a cruise on to the South America at Christmas time. Um, he's on on some uh, nonprofit boards that are all about art. Mm -hmm. So. And I have this house that I live in. I have 20,000 books. Yes. Five libraries. Your, his, your office, yeah, I'm looking right second, now, is beautiful. It's my second marriage. <laughs> and there's art all over the place. I mean, I, I stumble over everything. So <laughs> my life is so rich, so rich, mm -hmm. Laura. I can't tell you how grateful I am. Yeah. Uh, truly, I am. I don't know how I got here. I was a single parent. 20 some years and uh, I wanted to go on Broadway and do parts for old ladies you know mm -hmm. like Sweeney Todd the, the one in the back with the with the costume on that doesn't say too much right. and then I meet this guy and we have we have truly a wonderful life oh, I've been smiling for the last hour Carol I like you're the way that you share your stories it is it's not happenstance that your life is so rich. It is, you know, I really believe in the power of the universe and what you have cultivated in your mindset and positivity and attitude and being able to find, you know, the joy and the happiness in, in everything that you're experiencing. I think a lot of times we move so quickly in life that we, like you mentioned, like we stumble over things and don't think twice about it. So... You're right. encouraging people to take that deep breath and not take it for granted that, you know, we blink and we breathe automatically, right? But it's the yes. amazing mechanics of the human body of this gift that we're given. It's so true. So true. Boy, you really are a quick learner or you're you're my best friend. Yes. <laughs> oh, I feel the same. You understand it all. Yes. Well, Laura, you know, I so appreciate the empathy and the patience to listen to me run on. Uh, but I, I would like to send you my book. I don't know what, you know, maybe you can email me your um, oh, absolutely. Your address, your snail mail, so I can send it to you. Okay. And, uh, and I so appreciate you inviting me to do my first blog and my first podcast. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I, I know it's on our blog, I believe, too. But for our listeners, where can they go to find your, your books and your poems and everything? Is that... On Amazon, or is there a website we can direct them? Oh, yeah, definitely the Amazon side effects. And I have a really pretty good website. It's www.carol, with an E, mm -hmm. Weaver, all lowercase, W-E-C-A-R-O-L-E, W-E-A, V as in Victor, E-R, and then the last name is Lindsner, and that's all the same word for the website. L I N is in Nancy, S N is in Nancy, E R. So it's Carol Weaver Linsner, com. And on that website, I have a tour of my home. I've got um, my speech when I graduated from Speaker University, which is an NSA uh, product. And a lot of other stuff mm -hmm. uh, where I'm speaking and uh, reviews of the book. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the place to go. And you can email me at uh, uh, carolweaverlinsner um, at gmail.com. This has been such a pleasure, Carol. I can't thank you enough for taking the time, and I'm so glad our paths connected. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. 
If you like this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating, write a review, and leave a comment. It would mean the world to us if you shared the podcast and tagged Breast Cancer Conversations. Chances are, if this resonated with you, it will with others too. Until next time, keep on thriving. Hey you guys, Laura here. I just wanted to let you guys know if you don't follow us already on YouTube, we do have a survivingbreastcancer.org YouTube channel. We are looking to raise awareness and grow our followers. So if you can hop on over to YouTube, search survivingbreastcancer.org and subscribe, that would be awesome. Our immediate goal right now is to get our first 100 subscribers. So if you want to get in while we are young and new and growing, this is your chance. Thank you.